Well, good morning again, Lindsay Avenue. It's good to be back here with everyone today. It's good to have a few visitors. We're glad you're here. We hope you'll come back again any opportunity you have. This morning, I really appreciated Phil's words that he read about the price of forgiveness. I think that's, that's right on point. So often we are so quick to, to take forgiveness and how easy it seems when we pray to God that forgiveness is granted and we lose sight of what that forgiveness costs. Uh, what it costs God by the sending of His Son and allowing His Son to, to die for each one of us. So uh, certainly that's great to keep in mind as a backdrop to our lesson this morning on God is forgiving. God is forgiving. We're going to essentially look at passages of Scripture, verses from the text, and let it drive the lesson today. Now, there aren't going to be any words on the screen other than the title that are not simply from passages until the very last slide. We'll look at them and we'll talk about them. So join with me. If you want a copy of the verses that we have studied today, they are on pages back where Jeff is standing in the doorway on the little podium back there. So feel free, please take one of those with you. Uh, for the first passage, this is from the New Century Version. This is Micah chapter 7, verses 18 and 19. Let's see what Micah had to say. Our God, no one is like you. How true that is. Our God, no one is like you. We are all that is left of your chosen people, and you freely forgive our sin and guilt. You don't stay angry forever. You're glad to have mercy and pleased to have compassion. You will trample on our sins and throw them into the sea. Uh, that's some wonderful thoughts. Micah is writing as a uh, prophet in the Old Testament times. The people of Israel had forsaken God over and over again. And God's vengeance had come upon the people of Israel. And look what he says. We are all that is left of your chosen people. So many of the people that had left Egypt, who had been living in the land all through their history, had in fact disappeared during the captivities of the northern tribes and then of the southern tribes. And Micah says, we are all that is left. But look, you freely forgive our sin and guilt. You don't stay angry forever. You're glad to have mercy and pleased to have compassion. Now there's going to be an underlying point to many of these passages, and I want you to be watching for it as we read through. I'm so thankful that God will trample on our sins and throw them into the sea. The idea here is that they're going to be so far removed from the presence of God, they might as well be in the bottom of the ocean. The bottom of the ocean. So the first passage here. Micah chapter 7. The second passage from the contemporary English version, Psalm 86, verse 5, we, we read, You, God, you willingly forgive, and your love is always there for those who pray to you. How do I ask God to forgive us? How do I get forgiveness from God? Now, the psalmist here would suggest that when we realize we have sinned, when it comes to our awareness, that we have done some things that God does not want me to be doing. That's what sin really is. Some things that God does not want me to do. And I have failed to live up to the expectations, the requirements that God would have for me. That I pray to God and ask for forgiveness. You willingly forgive and your love is always there for who? For those who 
praying to. Now let me say as well, that involves each and every one of us. You may be fortunate if you slept all day, that you don't sin on some certain day, but if we're awake, odds may very well be that we do something that God would not be happy with, certainly over the course of several days. It's not a situation where those that do things God does not want, those that need forgiveness from God, even among God's people, people who are a member of the family of God, that that's a small, small minority of people. All of us need the forgiveness of God because all of us choose from time to time to do things we want to do instead of what God would want us to do. So the psalmist here would suggest when we become aware that we have fallen short, pray to God, not only tell God you're sorry, that's really not the point of repentance, but say to God that I need forgiveness of the things I have done that I know, I know I shouldn't do, and I will strive harder to not do that in the future. The third passage this morning is from Daniel 9.9. Daniel writing during the time that people were in bondage and captivity over in Babylon. And he says, the Lord is merciful and forgiving, even though we have turned against him. The people of Israel had certainly turned against God. That's why the people were taken over to Babylon in captivity during the 550 or so B.C. time frame. They had turned against God and God had warned them over and over and over again. You need to return to me. Things are going to get worse if you don't come back. And they just ignored it. So God's like, I've, I've warned you. Here it is. And the people got carried over to Babylon. While there, look what Daniel says here. This is from the NIV. He says, the Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have turned against him. Turning against God is something we all do when we live for ourselves. When we do things we want to do, regardless of whether God wants us to be doing them or not. When we turn against God to receive forgiveness, I would suggest, however, we do need to turn back to God. You're not going to be kind of with your back to God saying, I don't care what you tell me to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. You wouldn't be praying to God for forgiveness in that kind of a circumstance. We turned against God. We were doing what we wanted to do. God is willing and able and looking to be merciful and forgiving when his people, when each of us turn back to God. This is a longer one from Psalm 99, verses 5 through 8. Here we read, Our Lord and our God, we praise you and kneel down to worship you, the God of holiness. Moses and Aaron were two of your priests. Samuel was also one of those who prayed in your name, and you, our Lord, answered their prayers. You spoke to them from a thick cloud, and they obeyed your laws. O Lord, our Lord, and our God, you answered their prayers and forgave their sins, but when they did wrong, you punished them. If I do things that I want to do, if I don't do what God wants me to do, punishment is coming. And sometimes, even when we pray and ask for forgiveness, depending on what we've done, the consequences of our choices still come on us. 
We may still have the punishment from the things that we have done, but the only important part of it is that when we pray to God, when we turn back to God, God will forgive even if here in the, in the here and now, consequences may still come upon us. And I like the idea here that the psalmist went through some portions of history. Talked about Moses and Aaron. Talked about Samuel. There could have been so many more people that could have been listed who had prayed to God and God had forgiven their wrongdoings, had forgiven their sins. Our Lord and our God, you answered their prayers. When you pray to God to be forgiven, when you come to God knowing that I did what I wanted to do and it was wrong, God will answer your prayer. He will answer when you call out to him when you're asking for forgiveness. Uh, that doesn't magically, as I said, somehow make consequences uh, uh, go away from those choices we made. But from the perspective of God, he will not remember those things anymore. Even if perhaps here and now, people will still remember and we might have to face those consequences. Look at Nehemiah chapter 9. Nehemiah writing after the people of Israel have come back out of captivity. This is a little while later after the time of Daniel. He says, our stubborn ancestors refused to obey. Talking about, again, the people of Israel, the people who before the time of Daniel had done what they wanted to do and God had said, you're going you're gonna to pay for this, you're going to be punished. They had done what they wanted to do. He begged and pleaded through the prophets, turn back to me and I, this won't. They didn't. And so they got carried away in captivity. Nehemiah, looking back, remembers this. There's a danger here. We say there's a danger here. We don't want to always be saying, well, those foolish ancestors, how could they have possibly done this? Because, you know, we're not all that different sometimes. It's not just those people in the past, bad people that we read about in the Bible or sinful people that we read about in the Bible. We, many times, can be just as stubborn as anybody that's ever lived. When we hear what God wants us to do and we don't listen, to what God's asking of us. That's not what Nehemiah is really talking about right here, but I want to point that out because too many times, yeah, 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 I wouldn't have been like those people. If God had told me to do something, I would have done it. I wouldn't have been stubborn. I would have listened. And then in the next hour, day, we do something we want to do and effectively don't listen to God. So we're not all that different. But let's go back to Nehemiah. Our stubborn ancestors refused to obey. They forgot about the miracles you had worked for them, and they were determined to return to Egypt and become slaves again. He's talking about these ancestors that God brought out of Egypt with a mighty hand. A mighty hand. We've seen that in the movies. Prince of Egypt, Ten Commandments. You know, the, the Hollywood version of what God did. God must have been so much greater than any Hollywood version. He brought his people out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Great miracles, parting the Red Sea, feeding them out of the sky. <clears throat> and yet, they were determined to go back to the land of Egypt. <coughs> Sorry, I'll move away from the mic. <coughs> determined rather to go be slaves again. At least when we were slaves, we had food to eat. <clears throat> 
our God, you are merciful and quick to forgive. You are loving and kind and very patient, so you never turned away from it. I can't imagine the patience that God has shown, not only to these stubborn ancestors, as Nehemiah calls them, but the patience he has shown me for continuing to do the same things over and over again. And you know, if we all actually were to bring out kind of like the scorecard, the history of our lives and the choices we have made, and we started trying to compare them, don't ever do that, by the way, but if you started trying to compare all the different things that we may have done, God's been patient with every one of us, much more than we ever would have deserved. Trying to make sure I don't choke myself up here. Pardon me, this is going to taste really good and cold, but I'm going to drink it anyway. <laughs> no, I'm not going to drink it all. Do you understand my point here? All of us have been stubborn in continuing to do what we wanted to do. You know some of the things you did yesterday, the day before, the day before that. You know God wasn't happy with those things, and we did them anyway. The fact that we have been woken up this morning, that God has allowed us another day to live, is an example of his patience. He wants us to be aware when we fall short, to turn to God and say, I fell short, please forgive me, I'm going to work harder to be more like you more like Jesus tomorrow than the rest of the day. God was very patient, so you never turned away from him. I've said it before. Why does the earth still exist today? It's because of God's patience. The Lord knows, and he really does, that there's a whole lot of bad things going on in the world. Governments that are killing off people because they're different from others. Sin just rampant. Inhumanity against other people. Bad choices, wrong decisions that we make. And God is still so far allowed the earth to keep turning. This was our passage this morning, the scripture reading that Phil read a couple of minutes ago. Over in the New Testament, Paul writing to the church at Ephesus said, Be kind and loving to each other. You can stop right there. Is what I am doing, is what I have done today, is what I did yesterday, was it kind? Was it kind to other people? Did it show love toward other people? And notice, be kind to yourself. Did Paul say that? Be loving to yourself. Oh, Gene, I, I just love you so much. I, I, I'm going I'm, to be kind to Gene today. So we're going to have be kind to Gene today. I mean, Paul doesn't say that here at all. The focus is on me loving other people. Me being kind to other people. So if I can ever get some sort of a, uh, I've mentioned a count to ten, if I could just get a count to two and ask, is what I'm about to do kind? Is what I'm about to do, does it in any way look loving? If not, think about it before you get to two. Maybe don't do it. Because Paul here says, be kind and loving to each other. And then when we aren't kind and loving, or when someone is not kind and loving to me, look at the next phrase. 
and forgive each other. You know, if everybody were kind and loving to each other, we wouldn't need to forgive each other. But because we aren't kind and loving all the time, Paul immediately says, be kind and loving to each other. And then, of course, I know when you're not, forgive each other. Why? Why do I need to forgive you? You should never have done that to me. Just as God forgave me in Christ, as God forgave me in Jesus. God forgave me when I had no hope of fixing my own problem. When I had no hope of ever solving the hole, the problem that I got into. Digging that hole when there was no top visible to the hole. God forgave me anyway. When I believed in Jesus when I said, I'm going to put my life in your hands, I want to be one of your people. If he can do that to me, if he can do that for me, surely, 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 can't I forgive something that is done to me? Instead of holding a grudge, instead of payback. And there's that implied idea here that if I don't forgive other people, maybe God's going to think you never really became part of my family. You certainly haven't been acting like it if you're not forgiving other people. Be kind and loving to each other. And then when you're not, when somebody isn't kind and loving to you, forgive them. Why? God forgave you. God forgave me. Look at number seven. Colossians 3, certainly, I would suggest, one of my favorite whole chapters in the Bible. God loves you and has chosen you as his own special people. Because I'm one of God's people. So be gentle, kind, humble, put other people ahead of yourself, meek, not seeking your own importance, and patient. And patient. Look at the next phrase. Put up with one another. Put up with each other. And forgive anyone who does you wrong, just as Christ, just as Jesus has forgiven you. Love is more important than anything else. It is what ties everything completely together. God forgave me. I need to be forgiven. God is kind and patient to me. I need to be kind and patient. Romans 6. Paul here says, but thanks be to God, for though at one time you were slaves to sin, every one of us has been a slave to sin. And it's past tense for people who are members of God's family. It's past tense for people who have responded to the gospel, the good news, that God loved the world so much that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him should not perish, but would have everlasting life. If the people who respond to that message become members of his family, then it's past tense. Thanks be to God for though at one time in the past you were slaves to sin, you have obeyed with all your heart the truths found in the teaching you receive. When we obey, when we do what God wants us to do by becoming a member of his family, we're no longer slaves to sin. You were set free from sin, but you became a slave of something else. We became a slave of righteousness. 
Instead of being a slave to sin and doing what I want to do and, and having my, my life driven by lust and things that I want to do, I'm now a slave to righteousness, doing good, a slave of God. Paul describes himself over and over as a slave of God. You're a slave to something. In this world, we're never free. We're either a slave to what we want or a slave to what God wants. If I'm a slave to what we want, what I want, the pay for that kind of slavery is death. The wages of sin is death. If I'm a slave to what God wants, just like I said a moment ago from John 3, 16, the, the reward for being a slave to what God wants, the gift that I can't earn that's given to me by doing what God wants and being a member of his family is eternal life. You're either a slave to sin or you're a slave to righteousness. Or Ephesians 1, 7 through 8. In Christ, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. A lot of stuff in that little verse. Look at it. We have redemption. We have been set free from the slavery of sin by the blood of Jesus. Jesus' blood was the price required to set us free from that slavery we went into willingly on our own. We sold ourselves to slavery when we started living the way we wanted to do. Jesus died and set us free from that. And that's how we received the forgiveness of sins. And it came about through the abundance with the riches in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Have you ever, you ever been someplace and it's like, you know, I, I, I would like some of that. Say it's some special sugary sauce. I don't know. Think of the best. It's getting for lunch. I'm thinking of, of dessert already, right? Forget lunch. Maybe it's some kind of a special, very flavorful sauce and you want it on a piece of cake. Could I have some of that hot maple sugary stuff? The, you know, whatever it is. Sure. You come over and it's an eyedropper. Did it even hit the cake? I think it evaporated on the way down. I didn't even see it. That's not the way God's grace is given to us. It's not an eyedropper that you don't even see. Picture it as a giant bucket. And just imagine the sweetest sauce you've ever had. And you just... You know, it's like a shower that never ends and you're just in the middle of it. Maybe you're under a waterfall. Imagine if you could live standing under Niagara Falls. And that water coming down is just God's grace washing you clean every moment of every day. That's what lavish means. It's not an eyedropper that, oh, hey, sorry, you already got that one drop. That's all you get today. The God that we live and serve and worship has so much grace for people who are his family, for people who, when they make mistakes, when they realize I did again what I wanted to do, that's not who I am, and they come back to God. Look at Acts 10. We only have a couple more. Acts 10. All the prophets testify about him, about Jesus, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. The only way to have forgiveness of those sins, those wrong choices I made, 
those choices I made where I'm living more for what I wanted to do is to believe in Jesus and become a member of God's family. Only there will you find forgiveness for all those choices that we made because we were wanting doing what we wanted to do. In 1 John chapter 1, 6 through 7. If we say we have fellowship with God, if we say we have a relationship with God, I will even say if we say we're in the family of God, because if we're in God's family, we should have a relationship with God. We do if we're in God's family. We would have fellowship with God, but we continue living in darkness. If I say I'm a member of God's family, but day after day after day I do what I want to do, I'm not kind, I'm not loving, what John says. We are liars. You're lying every time you say, I'm a member of God's family, get out of that fence. I have a relationship with God, get away. You know, or hateful, ugly, unkind. We are liars and do not follow the truth. What's the truth? Love others, forgive others, because God loved me and God forgave me. But, always look for the word but. Because that's where the message in a verse turns. I'm so glad that the word but is right here. But if we live in the light as God is in the light, if I live my life by loving, forgiving, and being kind to other people because God loves me, God was kind to me, and God has forgiven me, we can have fellowship with each other then the blood of Jesus, God's Son, cleanses us from every sin. If you're a member of God's family, that even when you make mistakes, that's not the real you. We all do it, but the real you decided to become a member of God's family. And when you see those mistakes, you know that's not who you are. Turn back to God, ask God to forgive, and it's already done. It's already done. What you can't do is say, I'm a member of God's family when you're here on Sunday morning and then live being unkind, unloving and not the way God wants you to live. That's, that makes us liars. If I'm living day to day, hour by hour in darkness, but I say that I love God, I say that I'm a member of God's family, it's a lie because you're not practicing the truth. So, what's the summary of the things we looked at today? God is forgiving. And I'm so, so very thankful that we serve a God who is forgiving. Since he forgave us, we should forgive others. In fact, I would go so far to say the scripture tells us if we don't forgive other people, God will not forgive me. If I don't forgive someone else who's done something to me, why on earth would I expect God to forgive me? It's, it's plainly stated in text. Plainly stated in the Bible. God forgave me. I need to be forgiven if I want to be forgiven. Do I forgive other people? Do I really? Only you can answer that for yourself. We need to be. We need to be. God is ready to forgive us if we turn to him.
Now, if we're a member of God's family, we've been talking about that today. That's a matter of being aware. I have, I have messed up. I have made a choice that's wrong. I have sinned. You turn back to God. Ask God to forgive. And the way we ask God to forgive, I would say, is really prayer. And he will gladly forgive. If it's something individual that you did that's not widely known, you can pray on your own anytime you need to and ask God to forgive you, and he will. If it's more publicly known that members and other people would know about, that's where we have the opportunity when we are together to come and say, I need prayer because I have been doing things that are wrong. And it's not a matter of judgment from the people who are gathered here. It's not a matter of judgment from God. God already knew what you did. But we come and we pray with you and ask God to forgive we'll all work together to do better the next time. If you're a member of God's family. If we are not yet a member of God's family, then we are still like those <laughs> stubborn ancestors because we are still living for ourselves. We're still doing what we want to do. And God's forgiveness is not on you yet. It's not. Not according to what God says in the Bible, not according to what God has specifically stated. If you're not a member of God's family, it's so easy. God sent His Son Jesus to die for you so that you, by believing in who He is and what He did, can turn your life around, die to yourself in the waters of baptism. We've got water right behind that curtain. And be raised to walk as a completely new person. We call that person forgiving. The choice is yours right now as we stand in the same.